Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, dear kinsfolk. This is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Church and Ministry, located in the beautiful heart of the Dirty South, which is Brooks, Georgia. And this morning we're going to be taking a look at Luke the Apostle. Because if you followed this ministry for any length of time, then you're full aware that we recently completed our 75 plus part series looking into the Gospel of St. Luke. Not only that, we released the bloopers towards the conclusion of it. A two-part series titled Luke Bloops. Now, what we're looking at this morning falls under the category of lessons from Luke. Because many of the things that I'm going to be discussing this morning were left out of that particular series for sake of brevity or for the edit or for the video. But nonetheless, what is the Gospel of Luke? Well, you know as well as I do, we covered it. The Gospel of Luke is attributed to Luke himself. But who is Luke the Apostle? Did he ever walk with Jesus Christ? Well, we answered that. And he was not one who was there at the foot of Jesus Christ. Much like Paul, who would come later. But the Gospel of Luke is the first half of a larger work. The second half, of course, would be the New Testament book known as the Book of Acts. And this is why many theologians would consider the Book of Luke to be Luke-Acts, much after the same manner of Ezra-Nehemiah. It should also be pointed out that neither part of the work can be easily or fully understood without familiarization of the other. Therefore, we need to make use of the book of Acts when reading the gospel according to St. Luke. Why? Well, the gospel according to Luke focuses mostly on Jesus' earthly ministry, or how it is that we as Israelites are to dwell within the flesh, how we are to live, conduct ourselves, and please Yahweh God in the process. For example, Luke begins with the events preparing for his birth and ends with his resurrection and appearances. And of course you know this because we covered from the Lessons from Luke promo the Song of Zechariah and the Song of Mary, etc. How it was Luke, the author, who not only expanded in particular areas pertaining to the life of Jesus Christ, but also gave you a background on the parents of John the Baptist, and how John the Baptist and Jesus' ministries were so intricately interlinked that they required each other. For example, John the Baptist's ministry 
was to make straight the path towards Jesus Christ. He was one who would come after the spirit of Elijah. And Acts, as the second part of Luke's authorship, well, it picks up where Luke ends at the very end of the gospel according to St. Luke. And we proved that in part 76. It leads up to the book of Acts, and we're supposed to be going to the book of Acts, and Lord willing, perhaps we'll cover the book of Acts in the year 2015. But that, of course, is left to fate, quote-unquote. But the end of the book of Acts, however, leaves Paul in the capital city of the Roman Empire. That would be Rome itself. So in short, what I'm saying to you this Sunday morning is the book of Acts is attributed to Luke as is the gospel according to St. Luke. And they should be read together. For example, in the preface to Luke, and we covered this in part one, I believe, Luke chapter one, verses one through four, the author himself said that the purpose was to write an orderly and accurate account of the origin in the early years of the Christian movement. And so why it is that canonized scripture took these two books, chopped them in half, and placed Acts a few chapters over is beyond us, but leave it to the faulty interpretations of men oftentimes to get things skewed. So while it is that Yahweh's word is perfect in its codified form, we could say, much more clarity for both books can be received by reading Luke's and Acts together. And that, of course, would be the reason why we may cover Acts in the future. Now, Luke acknowledged some indebtedness to earlier accounts, and eyewitnesses, ministers of the word, the prophets that had come before, etc. What Luke's goal was for the gospel was to give a more accurate account, and as a result, Luke's gospel is the longest and perhaps the most accurate. Having particular parables that aren't showcased in any other gospel, for example, the prodigal son is one such teaching, the unjust steward is another. Of course, it is Luke chapter 19, verse 21, where Yahshua Messiah would say, mine enemy that would not that I should reign over them, bring them thither and slay them before me. Luke stated that his primary purpose was to inform a person addressed as, quote, the most excellent Theophilos, end quote. And Theophilos was either the name of a person unknown or just a generalized term because Theophilos in the Aramaic means friend of God. So we could say that Luke wrote that gospel for any Christian, any friend of God or any disciple, meaning anybody who is to be disciplined in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And Christ said in Luke, as he does in his other Gospels, that he didn't come to do away with the law. He came to teach it. He was born according to it, circumcised according to it, walked according to it, and eventually would die. Not only that, would ascend to sit at the right hand of Father Yahweh in fulfillment of its prophecies. So what I'm saying with that is Jesus Christ and Luke, neither of them say that Jesus Christ came to bring a new way, a way that would be different from the perfect way that Yahweh God set down. And by way, I mean will, and will meaning law. We must understand as Christians that Yahweh knew 
what was best for us. He knows what's best for us, and he has truly foretold us all things. Now, Jesus Christ lived according to that, and that is brought forth by our series when we taught the Gospel of Luke this year. Now, of course, when we taught the Gospel of Luke, it took exactly nine months to complete, because we weren't fully complete with that until October 1st roundabout. And then, of course, we went into re-releasing the uncut versions of the Morning Star series. That, of course, is to align with last year, where we re-preached the Morning Star series. But the reality of angels, the devil, the cherubim, the seraphim, and most assuredly Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Sanhedrin, well, they still exist and are still with us today. And since Luke's gospel was addressed to Theophilos, Luke placed special emphasis on the good relationship that the early Christian leaders had with the Roman officials. For example, Joseph of Arimathea, who claimed the body of Jesus Christ. He was able to go in and actually make petition to the government of his time. That is also why Luke would spend so much time teaching us how to dwell in the flesh, how to overcome the flesh. And as a result, unlike John, Mark, and Matthew, Luke's gospel puts more emphasis on the flesh, the temporal, the reality of living as an Israelite and what is required of us by our most excellent Heavenly Father. But also, Luke had another purpose. He wanted to add to the story a new body of teachings of Jesus Christ. And as I said, many of the teachings, like the prodigal son that appears in chapter 15, or the parable of the good Samaritan in chapter 10 of Luke's gospel, they're preserved only there in Luke. Now, as a side note, I do want to mention to the listener that in teaching Luke, I, your pastor, was able to come away with many teachings that don't represent in any way, shape, or form what many men out there professing to be Christian identity say he said. Many of the teachings that they attribute to Yahshua Messiah are taken from parables and they're put out there to justify what unruly and lawless men want to say Jesus Christ is, at least to them, but seemingly does not represent the Christ of the Bible. By that I mean, the overall theme is this. It does you no good to talk Christianity, to talk the law, to argue your pedigree, when you're not going to do the things that are pertained within it. And that parable of the Good Samaritan was one such teaching. Luke brings it forth so eloquently, because Yahshua Messiah basically would say that it is greater to live the book than to just talk it. And of course we covered that, and I'll invite you to go back and listen to it if you haven't already. But those are just two examples of teachings from our beloved Redeemer that appear only in the Gospel of Luke. Now another purpose of the Gospel of Luke is closely related. Now he believed that many of the early church fathers, we could say, or the early writers of the New Testament, were mistaken about important points. He expanded upon their story. He even went as far as to correct particular parts about it. Now, naturally, 
the natural man or that brute beast is going to come in and he's going to say, well, look, that looks like an inconsistency. It's not exactly what's said in John or Mark or Matthew verbatim, but that would be the purpose of Luke. Different men writing in different eras and from different perceptions so that Yahweh God can use his word. It was written for so many reasons, but expansion on the story and correcting it was most assuredly part of that. Many of these earlier accounts, according to Luke chapter 1 verse 1, had been lost, according to the same author. But in Luke, he talks about the risen Lord. He talks about fulfillment of prophecy. He talks about the importance of being from the Israelite ranks. Now, nobody really knows when the gospel according to St. Luke was written, because it's not dated. And most scholars and theologians will guess that it was written late in the first Christian century, sometime after Mark. Most people believe Mark was written around the year 70 AD, round about the time Revelation was written. But according to ancient tradition and modern scholarship, that would be about the time that Luke was written, somewhere within that era. So we could say 60 to 80 AD. Scholarly guesses range from late in the first century to early in the second. And the writer of Luke was not an eyewitness, but belonged to the second generation of Christians. Hear me, dear kinsfolk, the second generation. Luke's very existence and gospel is proof that Jesus Christ had overcome death. That the authorities of the time, people like Pilate and Herod, would not win over Christendom. And that God's plan would come to pass. Now, to us, that's fulfillment of prophecy. To us, that gives us an ever-increasing faith. But to the natural man, they're going to come along and they're going to say, well, he didn't even see Jesus Christ. Well, Luke was there at that time. Luke lived with other Christians and was able to write down that Christianity would take root. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. And Christianity for 2,000 years would march on and the year that we're in now, 2014, and even beyond that. And that is why I stress the importance at the beginning of this morning's sermon of reading Acts right alongside it. Because 
Again, you can't fully understand the two without reading them both. Luke wants you to understand that God's word is true and that Yahweh's prophecies will come to pass exactly as he said. Now, like the other canonized gospels, the third one is anonymous. Tradition has assigned the authorship to quote-unquote Luke. And he's mentioned as a companion of Paul in Colossians chapter 4 verse 14. And he's even described in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 as the only one who remained with him until the end. And most assuredly that's true. In Colossians, Luke is called the quote-unquote beloved physician. And it is the fact that Luke was a medical doctor or a great physician that he writes using high Greek style. He writes in a way that the other three gospel authors do not. He writes as if a doctor would on a chart, writing down details that others did not. He would write pertaining to the flesh. Why? Because Luke dwelt within the flesh. He healed the flesh, albeit holistically, and he would do everything he could do to teach people roundabout, how to live a healthy life. Now, naturally, Luke, being the faithful, and being a Christian, we could say, would come back to a realization that almost each and every one of us comes to at one stage within our Christian walk, and that is, the doctors, they don't heal you. The nurses, they don't heal you. Yahweh God will heal you. And Jesus Christ taught no different. He would say, they that are whole have no need of a physician. In short, He didn't come for those who are so perfect, so pharisaical, they've got it all worked out, they know everything. That they could judge, they can slander, they can rebuke, they can do, although Jesus Christ didn't come for them, He came for the sick. He came to grant forgiveness of sin to those Israelites who were repentant, but didn't come just so everyone within the world who chose to believe on Him could be saved. The reality of that is the devils believe and they also tremble. Belief will not save you, dear kinsfolk. However, adherence to Yahweh's law and the unmerited favor or quote-unquote grace, we could say, that will save you. In short, Jesus saves. Christ will save you. Save you from what? Well, that perhaps is a study for another day, but so many things. Save you from your sins, save you from your enemies, and most assuredly, save you from famine and sickness. And tying it all up in a nutshell, well, that's exactly what Luke focused on. How to overcome sickness, so much so that he would differentiate demon possession from generalized sickness time and time again. Why? Because they're not the same. And beware the false prophet who's going to come in and tell you that. Because almost each and every gospel, but most assuredly Luke, will leapfrog, if you will, from chapter to chapter or narrative to narrative and account to account of a demon possession and a generalized sickness. For example, we know of the story where a woman spent all she had on physicians and guess what? Well, those physicians did not heal her. Those doctors and nurses, pharmacia, could not help her. And when it was all said and done, Jesus Christ says our faith can heal us. Now, there's a great key within that. Because if faith can heal us, then we must understand that our spirit is more powerful than the flesh. Therefore, we must guard our spirit. Why? Because what we think, what we accept, what we quote-unquote buy, will 
eventually affect our body. Because our mind controls our body and our thoughts will eventually affect our overall health. How can I say that? Well, a lot of times when we walk around, we say, hey, I'm sick and tired of so-and-so. You end up, guess what? Sick and tired. Well, that's common sense. Christ basically taught, at least according to the Gospel of St. Luke, that it is mind over matter. That it is more a personal walk with God. And if we are accepted and we have His grace, well, there's simply nothing down here on earth that man can do to us. And it was no different in the account. When Pilate or Herod would come to him and say, Are you the king of the Jews? Did you do this? Did you do that? He would say, Well, did you hear this of another? Or, Thou sayest it. He would never come along and say, I do. And there's a valuable key to be learned within that. Because just as he told them, You would have no power given you, unless it was given you of Yahweh God. Man has no power over you, dear kinsfolk, hear me. It is truly what Yahweh God wants for you. And when you understand His will, then you will be obedient. And that was what Jesus Christ was. It wasn't as if He wanted that cup to pass away. It was that He wanted to fulfill prophecy. And many times, while the Spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And we saw that in the disciples like Peter and Judas and so many others. They never had the faith that was required. In fact, in my judgment, dear kinsfolk, I would actually guess that we have more faith now than they did then. Tis to be the way of things, oftentimes. Many things go on and they become legend, and they're more popular as the years go by. So, the tradition of Luke writing Luke has been long accepted throughout the history of the church. One thing is certain, and that is, if Luke himself the traveling companion of Paul did not write Luke, then nobody knows who authored Luke. Since Luke is written in idiomatic Greek, we could say, it rivals the epistle of the Hebrews as the best in the New Testament. And also, like the epistle of Hebrews, nobody really knows who wrote it. Most attribute it to Paul, but it could have also been authored or at least penned by Luke as per Paul's request. But we do know that whoever wrote Hebrews, Acts, and Luke was highly educated. So a logical guess and the process of elimination pretty much narrows it down to Luke, the beloved physician, who was more educated than many of the other early disciples. But one thing about Luke is it is extremely conservative in its viewpoint. In short, what I could say about the Gospel of St. Luke is it was written by what many consider a quote-unquote Gentile. What is a Gentile, you may be asking? Well, that is a study for another day. It's an extremely long study, and I could preach on that for many hours. But I have studies accessible at our webpage. That address is given at the beginning, the middle, and the conclusion of almost every sermon that is released from this church. But how was Luke written? In the preface, it tells us that Luke was written after consulting the earlier written accounts, or what was spoken by early Christian preachers. He says that he studied these sources for, quote, some time past, end quote, in verse 3 of chapter 1, at the very beginning of Luke. And I also believe we covered that around New Year's Day of 2014, at the very beginning of the Gospel according to St. Luke. 
He used research and research procedures that are still familiar to us. He wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he produced his great two-volume work, Luke Acts. Now, at the time he wrote it, it was one book. But over time, and through the process of the scribes, it became two separate books. Now, scholars and theologians throughout time have mostly identified Luke's principal sources as the Gospel of Mark. It was used by the author of the Gospel of Matthew, so what we could say is Luke would be the Reader's Digest condensed version of all of them, taking the pertinent points from all the Gospels and expanding upon them, adding more clarity for the fledgling Christian, because again, that was Luke's emphasis. Okay, now you've become Christian. Now you've accepted your faith, your destiny, the law of Yahweh God. What do you do next? Well, Luke provides those keys. And many of us within Christian identity, unfortunately, do not. Even worse are those who come into this faith and they say, Hey, you know what? I'm an Israelite. The law is for me. Everything makes sense. And they want to go out and teach. Well, my advice is, familiarize yourself with the New Testament for quite some time. And likely you should begin in Luke. Luke, again, deals with the flesh, while the Gospel of John deals with the Spirit. Now, one or the other of those two Gospels, in my own humble opinion, would be a great place, if you're new to the faith and entering into CI, to begin. And stay within the Word. Stay within the context, dear kinsfolk, because we oftentimes like to attack and rail against the Judeo-Christians for taking one verse and dwelling upon it and making an entire religion out of it, but yet we also in CI are guilty of doing the same exact thing. We have our John 8.44s, our John 17.17, and our Genesis 3.15s. Be wary of that. Look at the entire picture of what Christ taught. The overall theme. Why? Because this is what the Israelites of old oftentimes failed to do. And most assuredly was what the Pharisees and the Sadducees both could not do. Time and time again, well, they knew the law. They could argue it. They could debate it. But they couldn't live it. Luke truly understood Christianity as the true form of the old religion. In short, what we could say is Christianity was the true Israel, encapsulating the Israelite people from the dawn of time, all the way back in the Garden of Eden. By that I mean there were two choices given by Yahweh God, life and death, much as it was before entry into the land of Canaan. Choose this day whom you will serve, Yahweh God or Baal. Truly, this is the integral theme of the Gospel of Luke. Luke understood that Christianity was the true Israel. The Gospel of Luke reveals that its author was loyal to the central tenets of what we consider the Mosaic Law, what was handed down by Yahweh God and delivered to us by our great-great-forefather Moses. He knew the Hebrew Scriptures well, he knew them in their Greek translation, And he began his gospel with the scene of Zechariah in the temple, and he ended it with the post-resurrection note of the followers of Jesus who were, quote, continually in the temple praising God, end quote. Now that's where Luke ends his gospel, and that's exactly where Acts picks up. Praising God. Why? Because there was a remnant, 
And there were a select group of people chosen by Yahweh God who understood that prophecy had been fulfilled in Yahshua. There were also there, roundabout Israelites, who would cry, they would mourn, they would weep. They were they who were not familiar with the Word of God, because they should have been rejoicing. Luke's viewpoint was that, that they were continually in the temple, praising God, and as a result, so should we. Now, Luke treated Jerusalem with special veneration. Unlike the authors of Mark and Matthew, Luke took special pains to confine the resurrection and the appearances to the holy city and the nearby city of Emmaus. And we covered that, of course, towards the conclusion, round about September of this year. It was in Jerusalem that the early church was born, we could say. And by church, I do not mean a building. I mean the ecclesia. I mean the body of Jesus Christ. And that, of course, began where Jesus Christ was crucified. And it spread outward, if you will, as if a ripple effect throughout the entire world. Now, Israelite people, or we could say Christians, they're found throughout all the nations of the earth. That same promise that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their seed forever, that we would be a blessing to the entire world. Now, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, well, that took place as well in Jerusalem. And according to Luke Acts, the law of Moses was authoritative for Jesus Christ. You can read that in Luke chapter 16, verse 17. It was authoritative for Paul, according to Acts chapter 21, verse 24, and for Christianity in general. So we could say that Luke was pronomianism. That Luke, more than any of the other Gospels, cannot be used to substantiate a lawless form of Christianity. Because Luke himself taught that the law was authoritative. He also showed a special concern for the traditional forms of piety, meaning prayer, fasting, almsgiving, etc. He had a decidedly Israelite view of the Holy Spirit. And by that I mean, Luke was one who said prophecy was fulfilled left and right everywhere Jesus Christ went. And when I preached Luke this year, I really tried to bring forth those points. And not only that, I tried to preach Luke from an entirely different perspective than I ever have before. To really blow through many of the erroneous theories that unfortunately we've picked up and have been accepted because of unruly men. Same exact Sadducees and Pharisees that Jesus Christ came against. Now, Sadducees say there are no angels. They say there's no devil. They say there's no resurrection. But the Pharisees confess both. And here we live in an era where we still have those with us. We have those who come along and say, Hey, I'm Christian identity too, but I don't believe in angels. Angels are just messengers. Demons and devils, well, they don't exist. Uh, Pastor Visser, Eli James, well, it doesn't work that way. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. 
If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. But Luke assumed an extremely Israelite viewpoint when it came down to it, about the oneness of the human body. Luke, more than any other author, said that the body, the mind, the soul, or we could just say the spirit, are all aspects of a unity, and that they're thoroughly interrelated. That we cannot have one without the other, and they all must be kept in a perfect balance. If we're spiritually sick, then we're physically sick. And if we're physically sick, that can affect our spirit, etc. Now, I'm going to give you a brief outline of the organization of Luke. From chapter 1, verse 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 52, are the birth stories of John and Jesus, going into detail about both of their parents and their fulfillment of prophecy. From Luke chapter 3, verse 1, to Luke chapter 4, verse 13, it deals with Jesus' baptism, his temptations by Satan, and the very beginnings of his ministry round about Galilee. Now, chapter 4 all the way to chapter 19 is the journey to Jerusalem, and it's Luke's special section, we could say. It deals with all those things that most of the other gospel authors did not. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, to Luke chapter 23, verse 53 is the Passion Week. And of course, it took about two months for us to get through that, but that's the time where Jesus Christ is in the Temple of Jerusalem for five whole days, railing against their tradition, trying to bring them out of captivity. As a result, many of his pastors still do that. And finally, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 53, deal with the empty tomb and his resurrection appearances. Jesus Christ appearing to this disciple, to Mary, and so many other people. And of course, no one believed him back then. They said, oh, we don't believe that the dead can live. In short, It is us who serves a living God. And that, dear friend, is why our God is so different. He is a living God. Most other world religions center around a dead man, a dead prophet, or a great person, they say. But none of them are truly living. None of them are moving within the life of people today. And as it stands, I know that Jesus Christ and his word will ring true for you. And if you were studying along with me this year in the gospel according to St. Luke and were one of the very few who sent tithes of support, I truly thank you. The teachings that come forth from this ministry are truly contingent upon that. However, when it comes to the gospel of St. Luke, there are additional concerns. And I want you to understand that Luke showed a special interest in several topics. He mentions prayer more frequently than any other author in the entire Bible. And by that, I mean, if we want to dwell within the flesh, if we want to overcome it, and we want truly Yahweh God to be in our corner and a friend to us, then prayer is imperative. Luke, when he wrote, would show that Jesus Christ would go and pray before almost every decision. And most assuredly, 
before this quote-unquote Passion Week. But, it is during that same exact time that Peter would fall asleep, that he would deny three times that Judas would betray. And it would be Jesus Christ who would teach again, the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. Overcome the flesh. That is what Luke wants you to understand. It is Luke who emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit. Many scholars think Luke's emphasis on the Holy Spirit was intended to convince us, as generalized people, we could say the Theophilos, and his own readers, that Christianity, the true Israel, was not a human movement. Hear me, dear kinsfolk, not a building, not a human movement, but a divinely founded and guided faith system. Or we could say religion, even though that's a bastardized term in this latter era. He gave a special place to the role of women in the life of Jesus Christ and in the earliest history of the church. Why would he do that? Well, Luke doesn't come along and say women and men are equal. Luke doesn't come along and suddenly say, hey, women can preach and they can be the head of the household. But Luke does say that women comprise the many-membered body of Jesus Christ. And therefore, just as it was in the beginning and as Yahshua Messiah taught, the concept of marriage is two becoming one. That is finding the delicate balance. And that's exactly where we need to be, keeping the balance right. Because when you're married, you're one. You are judged as one. That, perhaps, is a study for another day. Luke again showed a special interest in the ministry of healing. In the gospel, he characteristically united the ministry of the word, that is, in preaching and teaching and the ministry of service, to all the needs of human beings. In short, it was Luke who said, the word is sufficient. It's all you need. Beware men who come along and they say, I wrote my own Bible. I wrote my own commentary on Martin Luther's commentary. Those are the ones you need to be weary of, dear kinsfolk, because truly, as a body, we need to be together, going line by line, word by word, and precept upon precept of what the Word of God says. And taking away from it the overall theme, not only that, but using common sense when it comes to many of these false prophets who will take the lesser meanings of a Strong's definition and build an entire religion around it. I'll be addressing some of those types of false prophets in the upcoming year of 2015. (laughs) Rest assured. But it was Luke who says that healing is the integral thing. And, if you want healing, you must pray to Yahweh God and live moralistically. Follow the law. Why? Well, it was Yahweh God who made that promise. If you want to prolong the days in the land that I, your father, am about to deliver you, then you will adhere to my law. However, if you want to be added to the curses, which is a shortened life down here, then go ahead, follow the lawless one. Throw the law of God out. Become an antinomian. Luke wasn't. Jesus wasn't. But many Judeo-Christian pastors or Baal priests out there, we could say, they do. And they come and they say, Jesus Christ said that the law is done away with. Well, absolutely not. How can I say that? Because common sense should dictate that it is still sinful to serve graven images, to disrespect your parents, to murder, to adulterate, to covet, to steal, to kill, etc. Now, these special interests that we've covered this Sunday morning, they're written there in addition to Luke's main purposes. 
Each of the main purposes and each of the special interests are something that we're going to cover in this same series, Lessons from Luke, in a future upcoming sermon. But the focus of this particular study is definite. I want you to understand that this Sunday morning, I'm not attempting to study all the aspects of the Gospel of Luke. I'm not even trying to explain to you the select main purposes of Luke's Gospel. Instead, I want you to understand, and I want to give you a specialized attention to the holistic nature of Jesus' ministry. And I want you to focus on His concern for the healing of persons. Jesus Christ truly wants you to live a healthy life. He wants you to be healed of sin. He wants to deliver you from those things. But it does require something on your part. Not just belief. But before we conclude this Sunday morning, I want to give you very quickly the 24 healing stories in Luke that are extremely different than anywhere else in the rest of our Holy Bible. Very quickly, from 1 to 24 is the man with the unclean demon. The story of Peter's mother-in-law. Those sick with various diseases. A leper, the multitudes, a paralyzed man. A man with a withered hand. The multitudes again in chapter 6. The centurion's servant, the widow's son, the multitudes in chapter 7. The women of the city. The maniac of the Gadarenes, or we could say the legion of demons. Jairus' daughter. The woman with the flow of blood. The multitudes again in chapter 9. The child with the convulsive spirit. The man with the dumb demon and the woman with the spirit of infirmity. Again, the multitudes, or we could just say the various persons of chapter 13. The man with the dropsy, the ten lepers, the blind beggar, and finally, the slave's ear. That we can read about in chapter 22, during the betrayal. Now, in the next part of this series, Lessons from Luke, we're going to look at the unity of religion and health. How they are unified and how scripture teaches no different. We're going to look at Jesus' holistic ministry, the unity of Greek medicine, and so many other aspects like the early Christian traditions when pertaining to health, prayer, and living and dwelling within the flesh. It's going to be a lot longer than this one. We're going to deal with the recovery of unity and the wholeness of life. What's that mean? Well, that means exactly what it means. <laughs> In short, beware those who come along and they seek to sow discord or disunity. Christ came to bring unity, so much so that he would say, those that aren't against us are with us. Leave them alone. Let the blind lead the blind. So many other statements like that. He did that straightforwardly so you would understand that when a man enters your camp and all they can seemingly do is bring railing accusation, that that man does not know him. In this, we know the children of God and the children of Belial, or the children of Satan, we could say. The children of the devil do the lusts of their father, tying perfectly into John chapter 8. They lie, they steal, they kill. But the children of God, they cannot sin, and their seed remains within them. What seed? That holy seed. The peculiar people, the royal priesthood, those chosen before the foundation of the world, but also those chosen of Yahweh God in the Old Testament. Chosen for a Redeemer, a beloved kinsman victor who would come eventually, as was written him by the prophets Isaiah, Jeremiah, Amos, and so many others. 
And verbatim he did that. Jesus Christ came. As was written, Luke says so. So, dear kinsfolk, this Sunday morning, please, stay within the gospel according to St. Luke. Stay within the word. And in a world of distractions down here, with a million and one things to draw you aside, I pray that you will continue to support this ministry and continue to like our videos on YouTube and send me emails of encouragement. Because, dear kinsfolk, I'm sure you're well aware that the days ahead are truly evil. And today's sins are enough. So focus on today. And focus on God's Word. And so, until next time, and I bring you the second part of this running series, Lessons in Luke. This is Pastor Visser from Covenant People's Ministry inviting you to write to us or to join us in fellowship if you'd like. The address will be given here in less than one minute. Thanks each and every one of you for listening along with us and for posting your comments on our forums, for ordering our book or following us on the Talk Shoe Radio Network. Until next time, this is Pastor Visser from the heart of the dirty south that is Brooks, Georgia. Wishing you and yours great studies. War for Christ, dear kinsfolk. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given. That wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.